Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Amen. What I want to do first is read the whole section that we are going to cover, John chapter 3, and I think he's going to have it in up there in the scriptures, but let's go through and read it, and then we'll go back and break it down, get some application, and that way we can, um, you know, be encouraged tonight and challenged to go out and live our lives as believers in Christ. So John chapter 3, verse 1 through 21. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, Nicodemus, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, Jesus, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send Jesus, his son, into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Jesus might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Verse 19, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world And men loved darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hate the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, 
that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they, that they have been done in God. Amen. Let's close. We're basically done. Isn't that, isn't that powerful? Sometimes we read the Bible and we just glance over the richness that it has, right? So in the context of what's going on right here, there was a man, he's a Pharisee. His name is Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews, and this man came to Jesus by night. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. Check this out. In Greek, Nicodemus means victory of the people. That's his, that's the name of, you know, that's the meaning of Nicodemus. Victory of the people. Nicodemus was one of those impressed by Jesus' signs because Jesus had just started his ministry when he, uh, performed, he's starting to perform miracles. Remember, he goes in chapter two, he goes into the temple and he sees all these people were uh, having transactions as far as selling things, and they were basically profiting off of something that was holy. So Jesus was so mad that he made a whip, and he just overturned the tables. And can you imagine? Nicodemus was probably in the temple at the time this was happening. And he's looking, he's saying, who is this guy? And then he's hearing stories of the miracles that Jesus is starting to perform. This is the beginning of his ministry. And so can you just imagine? And then he hears the miracles. He sees the miracles. He's having witnesses come to him and saying, hey, who is this Jesus? He's talking to us like he has authority from God. You know, and in Nicodemus, he's a Pharisee, right? So... The Pharisee was, so in the Jewish, Jewish, in the Jewish culture during that time, they had a government. This government was named the Sanhedrin. It's just like we have our political government here, and we have the Republicans on one side, we have the Democrats on one side, then we have every other person with every other opinion, either on the far left or on the far right or whatever in between you want to go. So they have the rulers of Israel, and Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a very influential person. He was a teacher of God's word. So in the Sanhedrin, you have the Pharisees, which he was a Pharisee, he was a teacher of the law, and I don't know, it doesn't say how old he is at this time. I'm assuming, because he's saying, I can't, later on he's going to say, I'm very old, I can't go back into my mother's room, but as you can see, he's probably a, you know, in his 50s, 60s maybe. And uh, he's coming to Jesus, and he's coming to Jesus at night. Maybe, and I read that, I'm like, why is he coming to Jesus at night? Like, is he trying to hide something? When you think of night, you think of darkness. <laughs> well, at least I do. Everything, like the clubs open up at night. <laughs> you know, the, the sinful stuff happens at night. When you think of night, you think of darkness, and who knows? I'm not telling you what I'm perceiving. I'm just looking at the scripture and I say, why is he coming at night? But keep in mind, Jesus was very busy during performing miracles, healing people. So he was very, he was a busy man. He could have, 
He started to have crowds around him. People wanted to get to him because they knew he could heal them or feed them, as as uh, you see later on in John when he starts feeding the 5,000, then the 6,000, and so forth. And so he's probably coming to Jesus, you know, at nighttime where there's not so much chaos, and he could spend some time finding out about this guy named Jesus. So he was an influential leader. He was a teacher of Israel. And as a Pharisee, he memorized the Bible, like the Old Testament Bible. First five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Like I can't even memorize a a page of the Bible, and let alone these people are memorizing he memorizes and knows the Bible. And we're going to see he's go- Jesus is going to challenge him of his knowledge of the Bible because the thing he doesn't know is that Jesus was coming to save them. He was looking for the Messiah, but he couldn't understand why. But we'll break that down. So you can see in the scriptures that we read, this is basically a one-on-one conversation with him and Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to him at night. Nicodemus is asking questions. This man comes to Jesus by night. Perhaps uh, Nicodemus came by night because he was, you know, maybe he was afraid that his other, um, his other cohorts, they'll be like, what's Nicodemus doing hanging out with Jesus? You know, is he leaving the Pharisees? He's not part of us. What's he going over there for? Who knows? It does. The Bible really doesn't say. But Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Or perhaps he just wanted to have a conversation with Jesus and not be interrupted like during the daytime when all these people are flooding to see Jesus for what Jesus can do for them. And he says, we know that, and this is Nicodemus' uh, question to Jesus, we know that you are a teacher come from God. So right away he recognizes, man, there's something different about this guy. You know, I'm hearing that he's performing miracles. I'm hearing that he probably heard about Turning water into wine, you know, that would have been a big deal because it's a wedding feast. In the wedding, there's a lot of people, and then once the wedding is done, people disperse all over the place. So he's probably hearing that, man, this guy turned water into wine, and the wine was the best wine ever. And then it perks up, it perks me up when I hear something like that, like, wow, that's pretty crazy. So it's difficult to know if Nicodemus spoke of himself or he was saying, hey, we as the Pharisee and the Sadducee, the Sanhedrin, we know that you are coming from God because you're performing all these miracles. And then he says, no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. So he's saying that, you know what, Jesus, we understand the sense in which... uh, you know, we understand the sense in which Nicodemus meant this, but his statement was not entirely true. The Bible tells us that deceivers and false prophets can also come in Jesus' place and be false Christ, right? The Bible tells, clearly tells us that. And Jesus says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus is very curious. He's coming to Jesus by night, and he wants to know what Jesus is all about. And Jesus answered him and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Jesus replied to Nicodemus shattered the Jewish assumption that their racial identity, their birth, could bring them into a relationship with God, which he thought he had. He thought, I'm okay, I'm a Pharisee, I've kept the law, I've lived more holy than this guy right here, or this gal right here, I've kept everything that the law is and says, and I know I'm going to heaven. I know I'm part of God's kingdom. And Jesus just, he just shattered that thought that Nicodemus had. Are you crazy? You're telling me that I cannot come into, into your heaven? Because Jesus said, you must be born again. Now let's, let's just go over that a little bit because I think it's very important. So we have people in this world, you're either born again or you're not born again. You're either a Christian, which Christian, the title or the name Christian is so watered down that everybody in, in Lubbock, Texas, because there are so many churches here, consider themselves Christians. But what does the Bible say what a Christian is? That's why it's very important. And I just want to bring this out because I think we struggle with that at times. You know, the Bible says that we are born again. You know, when I first got saved, I didn't even know what born again is. You know, it's like you hear the gospel. You're a sinner. You know, you're a sinner because you're a sinner. You've sinned and you have that conscience that you've done wrong. And so you come, you hear the gospel and then the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, comes into you, and you're born again. This is something Nicodemus did not understand. And Jesus is telling him, Nicodemus, everything that you've learned, all the rituals that you've done, all the, the rules and the regulations that you've kept, being a Pharisee, being the line of Abraham, everything that you think is going to help you enter into the kingdom of God. And Jesus tell him, there's only one way for you to enter into the kingdom of God. You must be born again, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is shocked. Here's a guy that's been teaching Israel how to come to God. And they have festivals, they have rules, they have regulations, they have systems, they have process, they have teachers, they have rabbis. And Jesus just right there tells them, all that doesn't matter. Your rules, your regulations, that all pointed to me and you just missed over there, buddy. Jesus said, there's only one way, you must be born again. Born of the Spirit of God. Born again in the ancient, in the ancient uh, Greek word translated again, it's anothen. It can also be translated from above. So Jesus says, You must be born again. You must be born from above. It's nothing natural that happens to you, it's something spiritual. It's the Spirit of God that comes in you, enlightens you, and you start knowing God for who he is. 
This is the sense in which John used this word in John chapter 3.31, John 19.11, 19.23, is to be born again, born from above, born by the Spirit of God. And that's what happened with me when I got saved. It was like I didn't know anything or, you know, I had some Bible knowledge. Like I knew I was a sinner, okay. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I couldn't save myself. I knew I needed a Savior. So those are basic knowledge that a person has when they're coming to Christ because they realize that, man, I'm going to live 60, 70 years, and then I die, and this is all that life has to offer. And so you realize that, and the Spirit of God comes into you, and you are born again. You're a child of God. You don't understand the Bible. You don't know things about the Bible, but in your spirit... You know that you know that you know that you know. (laughs) It's that conviction that we have. You know what? I'm a child of God. I don't care what somebody says. I know the Spirit of God is telling me in my spirit that I belong to him. And this is so new to Nicodemus. He doesn't understand it, and I don't blame him. For all this time, they were taught a certain way, and Jesus appears, and he fulfills the law, And he's telling Nicodemus, everything that you've done, it all falls short. There's only one way to come into my kingdom. You must be born again by the Spirit of God. Ain't that crazy? I mean, that's crazy to me. And when we are born again in the Spirit of God, it's all over the New Testament, this idea of rebirth, recreation, right? It's all over the New, the New Testament. Like in 1 Peter, it speaks of being born anew by God's great mercy. 1 Peter also speaks of being born from above, from an imperishable seed, the seed of God. James speaks of God bringing us forth by the word of truth. Titus speaks to us of the washing of the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Roman speaks of dying with Jesus and rising again. Ain't that amazing? First Corinthians speaks of new believers as newborn babies. And this is the picture that we have to get, guys. For those of you who've had kids, like, you know, my, when my daughter was born way, way back when, um, I was in the room when they were delivering her. And um, I'm glad I didn't, I didn't see anything. I just saw the baby. They say, hey, look at this baby. It's a brand new baby. It's like, and then you got to teach this baby. You got to nurture this baby. You got to bring this baby up. Right? Those of you who are moms and dads, you, you know this feeling. Uncles, you know this feeling when you have to watch your little nephews or nieces. There's a certain way you take care of little babies. You can't just be like, get up, baby, walk. Go feed yourself, baby. Come on, baby, hurry up. No, you can't do that. That's called child abuse. They'll take you to jail. But he's setting a picture. He's, he's, and I'm just, I'm just like Nicodemus. I'm like, a baby? 
when you're born again, you're brand new. And as a baby, you get older, right? You learn to walk. First you crawl. I think my daughter just laid on her back, then all of a sudden she stood up and walked. I'm like, I don't, I don't think she ever crawled. We put her in those little things, and then she just walked. But anyways, they grow up. You nurture them. You take care of them. They're not adults like us. They can't have a steak right away or some potatoes or some barbecue brisket. They have to eat those little baby food. Oh, man, I'm going to tell you guys a story. Okay, I'm not going to tell you. It's going to gross you out. But you have to feed them baby food, and you have to nurture them because you're bringing them up. They don't know any better. As a Christian, a newborn believer in, in Christ, that's how we are. Listen, when you get born again, it's a journey. It's not a sprint, right? It's like eventually, like for instance, there are certain things that you've done that were sinful that you practice, right? When you first come to Christ, right? Or is it just me? Okay. There's certain things that you do that you practice that are sinful. But the more you mature in the Word of God, the more you mature as you're around other believers, the more you mature and gain knowledge and wisdom how to walk in Christ, you won't be doing those things. You won't stumble those things. The Bible tells us those are strongholds in people's lives. And as a baby in Christ, when you're growing up, you're going to stumble because those, you know, you are so used to doing things that were sinful and now the Holy Spirit is renewing everything in your life, renewing your mind, renewing your heart. And the sinful things that we do do, you know, you stumble once, twice, three times, then, then the next thing, it's like once, and then you get away from it, it's like, man, I'm just, I'm just going strong with God right now. Then you stumble again. You don't do it as often. You realize it's sin, and it hurts God, and it hurts you, and you don't want to shatter that relationship. So as babies, as they are nurtured, so are we nurtured. You know, don't ever have, like, people come up to you when you're, you know, when you're a believer, you know, because we condemn ourselves, right? We are the worst People to condemn our, the worst people that condemns ourselves is us. And you could tell me I'm sinful and you could tell me all this stuff and where I fall short at. As a believer in Christ, we are to be like, yeah, that is, I'm guilty. But I'm born again and I'm found in Christ. Born again, the new birth. In Galatians, it says that in Jesus, we are new creation, a new creature. We are born again like we're new, newly born babies in Christ. That's, that's, that, that picture right there, as you picture it, that, that's like crazy to me. It's like, God, you know, you may not feel it at times. You may not like... 
you know, you may not feel like you're a Christian, you're worth anything, but that's what the Word of God says. You are a new creature, creation. In Ephesians, it says that the new man is created after God's righteousness. In Hebrews, it says that at the beginning of our Christian life, we are like little children as we grow up. So Nicodemus answers Jesus, and he says, Nicodemus said to Jesus, this is John 3, 4. Nicodemus said to Jesus, Jesus, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? This is funny to me. (laughs) You have a Pharisee, a guy who's educated, and he's very logical thinking. He's like, he's coming to Jesus, and he totally misses. Jesus tells him, you must be born again, Nicodemus. Everything that you've done, you're being a Pharisee, you're keeping the law, all that doesn't matter. There's only one way, you must be born again. And And Nicodemus is asking a valid question. Wait a minute. You're telling me that everything I learned for 40, 50, 60 years maybe, you're telling me that that doesn't matter? If I was Nicodemus, I'd be like, well, I'm really upset right now. You know, (laughs) everything that I've done, I'm a Pharisee, I'm a leader of the Jewish people, you know, I'm all this, and you're telling me no way? I think Jesus is hinting here, it's not about how you are behaving, right? It's about, are you born again? And that's very honest of Nicodemus to bring up to Jesus, which I find it a little, you know, amusing. Then he says, how can a man be born again when he is old? You know, I'm thinking, I can't go back into my mom's womb. That's just stupid, crazy. You know, that just doesn't happen. It doesn't make any sense, Jesus. You're telling me to be born again? In Jesus' new description of birth, Jesus recalled a familiar theme from the Old Testament promises of the new covenant. Remember, this is a, this is a Pharisee. This is a guy who knows the Bible. And he's read all the prophecies, all the everything of the culmination, and they're preparing to have this new kingdom come to earth. That's what he's expecting. But Jesus throws him a, a, U-tur- a U-curve and says, hold on, buddy, this is not what's happening right now. And Jesus telling, Jesus basically telling him, man, you've read the whole Bible and you missed, you missed where my spirit has to come in you and renew you? It's not by rituals or everything that you've done. And this is found all over the Old Testament. If you want scriptures on it, you can see me. I can give you scriptures on it. Uh, these passages essentially made three promises, right? These, there are three promises that Nicodemus should have known because he was a teacher of the Bible, a teacher of the law. He should have known there was going to be a gathering of Israel. Israel remember? He should have known the cleansing and the spiritual transformation of God's people. He should have also known the reign of the Messiah over Israel and the whole world. During the time of Jesus' day, the common teaching among the Jewish people was that the first two aspects of the new covenant had been fulfilled. The gathering of Israel, remember, they were taken into captivity. 
the Babylonians, and then they were brought back into the land. That's when they rebuilt the temple and everything. And the second one is the cleansing and the spiritual transformation of God's people. And that's how the Pharisees and the Sadducees came about, because they were bringing the new into into the kingdom here on earth. So they were thinking that they've already accomplished the first two. The gathering of Israel, which was happened, they were in Israel at this time when Jesus was here. The cleansing and spiritual transformation of God's people, which it's happening, but it's not fully happening because Jesus is now showing up and is telling them. Okay, And the reign of the Messiah over Israel and the whole world. That's not going to happen until Jesus comes back. So this was what they were expecting when Jesus showed up. That's why Jesus' statement about the new birth was so strange to Nicodemus. He didn't understand it. He couldn't fathom it. He was like so confused. I would be too if I grew up like that. He thought that the Jewish people already had it, which they did. The gathering of Israel, which is still happening as we speak of today. People are still, the people of Israel are still going back there. And the cleansing and the spiritual transformation of God's people. Okay? So... Nicodemus thought that the Jewish people already had all two, both of those things, and Jesus was coming, and they're just waiting for the Messiah to show up so they can rule with the Messiah here on earth. And they were looking forward with that, and Jesus told him, nah, that's not going to happen. This is what's happening right here. So Jesus answered, John chapter 3, verses 5 to 8, Jesus answered, and he says, most assuredly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said this to you. You must be born again. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is very adamant. No, you must be born again, Nicodemus. You must be born again. Nicodemus is still confused. And then Jesus says, he's going to confuse Nicodemus even more. He says, do not marvel at this, Nicodemus. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Okay, I'm Nicodemus. Now I'm really confused. (laughs) Put yourself in Nicodemus' spot. Now I'm really confused, Jesus. First words to Nicodemus was most assuredly. In other translations, it's Nicodemus, in truth I tell you, believe me when I say to you, I assure you what I'm telling you. It it conveys a meaning of conviction that Jesus is telling Nicodemus what's happening. He says, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So we live in the United States, right? So if the United States passed a law that said no one could live here except those who were born in the United States. Who can live in the United States? I wasn't born in the United States. I got to leave. It wouldn't matter if those trying to get, trying to live in the United States knows everything about the United States, right? If you know all the patriotic songs, you know all the history of the U.S., you know you're more American than some Americans in America. 
you cannot be a citizen of the U.S. because you were born here. It didn't matter if you spoke the perfect English. It didn't matter. You can't live in the United States. You weren't born in the United States. It didn't matter if you knew all the customs. We have customs in the United States. We celebrate Fourth of July. We have uh, in Texas. I mean, we're very American in Texas. You know, we call California a whole different country. <laughs> I have relatives in California, so I can say that. It didn't matter if you knew all the customs, if you knew the Pledge of Allegiance. It didn't matter if you looked like an American with your cowboy boots and your whatever, looked like a Texan. If you weren't born in the United States, sorry, you're not a citizen of the United States. It didn't matter who you knew. Oh, I know the president of the United States. I know Michael Jordan. Think of all the famous people you want to think about. I know this guy. I need this guy. I can enter the United States. Nope, you can't. You weren't born in the United States. You see that? Unless one is born of water. Get that, guys. Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. In our churches, there are people in here that look exactly like Christians, that look, behave like Christians. But the word of God says, if you are not born again, you are not part of the kingdom. That's very hard to swallow. I've got relatives who I've grown up with that profess God, no, locking, no longer walking with God. And the Bible says, you are not of me if you are not born again. Let's not glance over this. This is big time. This is what separates you from the ones who are going to be judged, right? In order to be a citizen of heaven, you have to be born again. This is what Jesus is telling, is, is trying to convey to Nicodemus. Hey, Nicodemus, this is, you have to be born again. You have to be born again. And Jesus said, you must be born of water. We know that from John, later on in John chapter 3, verse, in John 3.10, which we're going to be in. Whatever being born of water was, you know, there's different views of born of water. Like, I'm going to give you some views, and I'll tell you where I fall. And so, you must be born of water. In that scripture, it says, that which is born of flesh, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit. This is what we're talking about. This is what we're going to break down. So, you must be born of water, Jesus is saying. So, some have views that born of water means to be baptized, right? Like, that's, that's a known view in the, Christ, in the Christian circles, that right here, you must be baptized in order to be born again. I don't believe that view. Uh, some have the view of born of water refers to our physical birth since we come forth you know, when we're born, you're in a sack of water. And when that sack breaks, you're basically coming out. So that's that view, that you're physically born. But that view is very, very obvious. And then some have the thought that born of water means to be born again by the word of God. Right? Which, you know, in other passages of scriptures, water represents the word. As we are washed by the water of the word. 
So that's another view. So we have one, two, three views. Here's the fourth view. Some have thought that born of water means to be regenerated by the Holy Spirit, the living water of God, the Holy Spirit. Um, and some have, now this is the mo, this is what I've read from all the, like the people who know the Bible, you know. <laughs> um, this is what their view is. Some have thought that born of water means to receive the water of cleansing. And this is all made known in the Old Testament. Keep in mind, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he's telling Nicodemus, you should have known about what I'm telling you. You should have known this, but you don't. And so in Ezekiel chapter 36, 25 to 28, as part of the new covenant, this is what Jesus is talking about. This is where the water uh, definition comes in. This is the approach that has the most weight because Nicodemus should have known from this to identify with it. So I'm going to go to that real quick and read it. Grab my phone. Because I think this is very, very important for us to, to know. If you have your Bible, turn to Ezekiel 36. Okay, Ezekiel 36, I'm going to read real quick, 25 through 28. It says this. This is what Jesus is trying to tell Nicodemus that he should have known, according to the Old, Old Testament scriptures. It says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you, spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and that, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. So this is the camp that I fall in. Being born of water, the washing of the Holy Spirit when you're saved. When you become saved, you're washed, right? You're washed and you're clean. Without the new birth of the Spirit, the flesh, the flesh just taints all the works of the righteousness that God has for us. Yet everything that a Spirit-led man or woman does can be pleasing to God. If you're not born again, you can never, never please God. No matter how, no matter how good you are, how awesome you are, all the good works that you've done, we can never please God, guys. And this is what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you're, you can never please God. The only way to please God is to be born again. Is to be born again. And he says, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Nicodemus is blown away. He is surprised 
that Jesus has told him there's only one way, and that's not by his works. It's by the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Ain't that like us in church? Like, we're a small church, and, you know, we have relationships with one another, and we can see the fruit of the Spirit in one another. And what is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I see that in Mel. I see that in Amanda. I see that in my wife. I see that in you. I see that in each other because we treat each, each other with kindness and respect and whatnot. But there, you know, when we go to, when we are in large churches, there are people in the church that are not saved. They're not born again because they missed what born again is. I'm trying to relay this not only to myself, but to you. Born again is a big deal. And sometimes we just glance over that stuff. Right? Guys, we can't save ourselves. We have to come to Jesus to be saved. And Jesus gives the illustration, the wind blows where it wishes. Jesus' idea to Nicodemus was, you don't under, Nicodemus, you don't understand everything about the wind, but you see it. And we saw that on Saturday. Who witnessed that crazy storm on Saturday? Where you saw the wind's effect, all the dirt blowing up in the air, the flags were waving like crazy. When you walked outside, you could feel it because it pushed you, right? You see it. You see the evidence of the wind. But yet, you, you just don't know. And this is what Jesus, you don't understand everything about the wind, Nicodemus, but you see its effects. That is just how it is with the birth of the Spirit. Jesus wanted Nicodemus to know that he didn't have to understand everything there is about the new birth before he experienced it. When we come to God, we experience God through the power of the Holy Spirit. We may not know everything there is to know about the Bible. We don't even know how many books are in the Bible. We don't know anything about the Bible. We just know the Holy Spirit has regenerated you and you are born again. That's all you know. And everything else, we grow up like babies and, you know, and you mature. This is what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. Look at Nicodemus' response. Nicodemus answered and said to him, said to Jesus, Jesus, how can these things be? Jesus, <laughs> and just keep in mind, I'm just, we're in a conversation with Jesus and Nicodemus. They're going back and forth. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be, Jesus? I'm so confused. Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Nicodemus, you know the Old Testament. You've read it. You've read Ezekiel 36, and yet you don't know these things? What is going on with you? He wasn't born again. It's like you and I trying to explain spiritual Bible things to somebody who's not born again. They don't get it. Because they are not born again, they don't speak the heavenly language that you and I speak. Right? They're in darkness until they are born again, until the Holy Spirit comes into their life and illuminates everything that's going on. Nicodemus is confused. Teachers, Jesus is still trying to explain things to him. 
Jesus challenged Nicodemus for not being aware of the need and the promise of the new birth because these were plainly laid out in Old Testament. Nicodemus knew these passages well, but believed that they had been fulfilled in regard to the new birth. He should have known better. And that's where Israel is in the state of right there. That's why Jesus appeared. It's just, I'm reading this and I'm just cracking up within myself. Like, that could be us. Like, I, I got saved at 30 years old, January 2000. And before that, I couldn't relate to a Christian because I wasn't born again. The Holy Spirit hasn't illuminated the things he wanted to illuminate in my life. So if you and I go out and we're having conversation, you're a Christian, I'm not a Christian, and you're trying to tell me about Christian things, we're missing where we need to start off first. The gospel. Hey, you're, hey, this is what the Bible says, and I believe what the Bible says. The Bible says that God is holy, and you're not a holy person. You're a sinful person. You're a sinner, and you need to be judged for that sin because God is the creator and the orchestrator of life itself. We need to start off where they understand, hey, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. It's not, your, it's not our job to talk people into the faith. We simply present Jesus to them. It's the Holy Spirit's job to regenerate people into the faith and to build them up. It's our job to come alongside and aid and help out and be the church. It's the Holy Spirit's job. That, that should bring a calm to each one of us of trying to go out and make things happen, right? The biggest testimony that we have towards people, especially within our family, is the way that we live our lives. That's why some relatives that I have, it's hard for them to be around me because I'm, I represent Jesus. It's like, you know, I can't be doing, you know, I can't be living my life in a certain way. And hopefully, the more I live this life, the more that they see, man, that guy has really changed. What happened? He was born again, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So Jesus telling him in verse 12, if I have told you earthly things that you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. That is the son of man. That's Jesus. That's the title that he gave himself, the son of man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So back in John chapter 1, verse 1, when Jesus said, no one has come down from heaven except him. And John right away starts off with John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the word, Jesus, and the word, Jesus, was with God the Father. And the word, Jesus, was God. He was in the beginning, Jesus, with God the Father. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So Jesus is telling him, 
Hey, I came down from heaven. I left heaven to come down here to show you guys the way. And the way is you must be born again. Then, of course, we go to John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the way that God the Father loved us. We are loved by the Father, that he gave his Son, Jesus Christ, that if we believe in him, trust him, that's where we are born again. It's by faith, guys. There's nothing we can do. We preach that all the time. Pastor Ben preaches all the time up here. There's nothing we can do, say, do, think, anything. We simply trust in Jesus. In Exodus chapter 20 or 21, the people of Israel were in the wilderness and they were rebelling. And then God made these snakes and these snakes came out and they bit the people and they were getting sick and dying. And Moses goes up, God, please, please heal these people. Take, and God tells Moses, hey, here's what you need to do. You need to take and make a bronze serpent, put it on a stick and put it right there where people are. You know, if you get bit by a snake, you're you're dying or you're going to die. And he's telling Moses, here's what they need to do. Just look. Can you imagine? People are dying around and maybe the stubborn ones refuse to look. That's so stupid. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to look at that bronze snake. So they died. And so these other people here, when they get bit by a snake, Moses told them, hey, look at the snake, the bronze snake. God said, if you look, you will live. That's like you and I, we have a choice. We can look to Jesus for our salvation and live and be found in him, or we cannot and be and have death. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came in verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light Jesus came into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That was 1920. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds would, should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes into the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God, with God. Jesus came into the world because we needed a Savior. We're sinners, right? And we've all given our lives to Jesus, right? We're saved by grace, and we live in his grace. When you mess up, go back and run to his grace. It's more available there. I like to use the... The picture illustration, you know, I grew up in an island surrounded by an ocean. The ocean is grace. I can't, as far as I can see, it's nothing but ocean. And that's how God's grace is. The grace of that ocean filled with grace. And sometimes we mess up as people. But Jesus came to save you and me. We're saved, praise God. But there are other people in this world that are living right now that are dying and the only way for them to be saved is to be born again. And how do they get born again? They have to know that they're a sinner. That 
as Nicodemus found out that everything he is, a Pharisee, he kept the law, he was more perfect than you and I, and yet he cannot enter into the kingdom of God because it's Jesus and Jesus alone. And like Moses told the Israelites when they were, when the snakes were biting them and they were dying and being sick, Moses told them, hey, just look at the bronze snake. And this is what we tell everybody else that doesn't know God. Look at Jesus. Right? His love is eternal, is everlasting. His love is perfect. Because we fail each other in love. There's only so much I can love one person, you know, until you mess up something and my love stops there. But God's love is not like that. His love is perfect. Being married, there's, you know, I love my wife, but there's things that she does. It's like when she does stuff that just ticks me off, I'm like at that point where like, you know, I need to step away a little bit and be reminded I need to love you as Jesus loved me. Unconditional love. We are... We are not there as a church. I'm not there. You're not there, but we all strive to get there. When we fall short, we come to Jesus. We look to Jesus, right? We look to Jesus. The gospel is foolish to the world. And God is telling us here, You have to be born again to enter into my kingdom. What is born again? Simply trusting in Jesus. And that's the message you and I as believers need to put out there to our friends, to our co-workers. You may not do it with words, but you do it with the way that you live. And that's our challenge. That's my challenge to myself. And that's my challenge to you guys as my brothers and sisters. Let's invite people to look to Jesus and not to us, right? Because we fail people. We fail one another. Jesus never fails us. So let's invite people to look to him for answers. Amen? All right, let's pray, and we're going to close up with a worship song. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to learn about being born again. Sometimes, God, we just read scripture, and we just glance over things, and... Father, I thank you that we have your word. God, the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit is the teacher. And what I've said tonight, Lord, God, the Holy Spirit will illuminate that and show us and teach us. And we're so grateful that you allow us, God, to be teachable people. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for this Part of scripture, just seeing Nicodemus, a Pharisee, more perfect than us, God. And what the world sees, what a believer or a Christian should be like, God. But you go right down to the heart. It doesn't matter how good we are as people. It's about your son, Jesus Christ. And so I pray as we leave here tonight, God, that you'll fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we would represent you out and about to glorify Jesus. We look to you, Jesus, for our salvation for this life. And we thank you. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. 
I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.